This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. And indeed, we welcome you on this Wednesday afternoon. Boy, it's hard to keep track of the days. These weeks are flying by. Sandy Clough, Sean Rotar, and of course, uh, Sean will be off today and returning tomorrow. So uh, you'll have me to contend with over the next uh, couple of hours. Uh, this is Sandy and Sean on Mile Sports 98.1 FM and 107.3 HD3. I'm sorry, 107.5 HD3. I miss Sean already. Our caller text line is 303-831-1340. We are streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen. You can watch us on milehighsports.com slash watch. And, of course, we come through the free Mile High Sports app. Our producer is the great Danny Bailey. Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette will... Join us an hour from now on a newsy Bronco day, this fourth day of October 2023. Uh, The Broncos making two roster moves uh, involving people who have started games for them. Not to say that they played well, but they have started games for the Broncos. And maybe we got a bit of a hint that these moves were coming on Sunday when Randy Gregory was benched in favor of second year linebacker, Nick Benito Uh, Benito played very well given the starting assignment as Sean Payton took great pains to emphasize after the game, two and a half sacks, And, of course, that forced fumble that was recovered by Jonathan Cooper and taken to the end zone that uh, was a major play in the Broncos' comeback victory over the Bears on Sunday in Chicago. Randy Gregory was released today. He will turn 31 in late November. He has his $14 million deal in place for this year. And according to the best information I can get, and I wasn't aware of this necessarily. Uh, We all remember that Gregory was signed away from Dallas at the last minute. It appeared that he would stay in Dallas. The Cowboys threw some clauses into the contract at the last minute that did not please Gregory. Uh, or at least his agent, uh, the Broncos swooped in, so to speak, and signed Randy Gregory for five years and $70 million. My initial impression was that only the first two years were guaranteed. Apparently, there is some guaranteed money next year, something in the neighborhood of $5 million for Randy Gregory. But for this particular ownership group and for this team right now that five million dollar guarantee doesn't amount to very much if you are in your 30s and i know the game has changed the financial structure of the game has changed in the last 40 years but this was true 40 45 years ago 
uh, Dan Reeves, when he came to Denver, basically outlined the philosophy that has been followed by every decision maker of note ever since within the Bronco organization. If you are a player in your 30s and you are not starting, you're not going to be around for very long. That was true 40, 45 years ago, and it's just as true today. Regardless of whatever you have to eat in terms of dead money, however much guaranteed money you owe, Randy Gregory at 30 is released. And you're thinking, well, they're going young. Why not? They're one and three, even after the win in Chicago on Sunday. The Broncos are still in last place in the AFC West. It's harder to make that case that you're going younger when you release or put on waivers, technically speaking, Isang Bassey today at the age of 25. Now, you could probably sense that that might have been coming too if you watched on Sunday and noticed that Bassey only played seven snaps and that McMillan started ahead of him at nickelback. Of course, Kwan Williams is still out, although he may be returning soon. And Bassey had been the starter. Basically, the Bronco defense now, their base defense, is nickel. Whether you're talking about a four-man front, five-man front, they're in nickel as their base defense. And after Bassey took over when Williams was deemed unfit to play at the start of the year because of injury, the first four games revealed that Bassey, although he had an excellent training camp, was not getting the job done. He was not alone in not getting the job done. Randy Gregory, back to him for a second, three tackles and a quarterback hit in 33 snaps in Chicago the other day. But for the season across four games, he had one sack. This was a guy who was going to be a major pass rusher when he came here, right? Vaughn Miller was gone. Bradley Chubb actually was still here at that point. But Gregory was going to replace Vaughn Miller. And sure, it was an inconvenient truth that he had only played as many as 14 games one time during his NFL career for various reasons, injuries, suspensions, and the like. But the Broncos put a fair amount of faith, I won't say considerable, but a fair amount of faith that Randy Gregory would play at least 14 games a year for them and possibly more. That faith was not rewarded. And some of us were a little squeamish about the deal when it was made. I happen to be doing a show was Sean at the time. And we talked about, and Sean was more opposed to this deal than I was. Should have left him in Dallas as far as Sean was concerned. 
but I think everyone felt, boy, that's that's a bit of a risk. And a lot of the initial reaction nationally was, wow, the Broncos stole him from the Cowboys, and Jerry Jones is mad about it. DeMarcus Ware all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite work out that way. Unfortunately not. No. Uh, Danny Bailey, of course, our uh, terrific executive producer. And you're right. Uh, my my sense was that they were taking a two-year gamble. It was probably a worthwhile gamble. Uh, the Broncos weren't rushing the passer, even when Vaughn was here in his last few days. Now, Vaughn found the fountain of youth when he went to the Rams, especially during the postseason, in which he helped lead that defense along with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And with some help from the offense, headlined by Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, to a Super Bowl win. And then Miller left as a free agent, went to Buffalo. And before he got hurt, he was playing very well for Buffalo. And he is another player who should be coming back to the Buffalo Bills here in a week or two. But Gregory was not the answer, and... Some of you may be aware of the famous line, if Randy Gregory is the answer, I don't want to know the question. And that that was kind of the point of view around here. Um, Answer to what exactly? Their pass rushing woes would disappear, and when they signed Frank Clark, Clark and Gregory would combine for 20 sacks in 2023. He said there was one problem. Clark had not had a big sack year, going back to 2018 when he wasn't even playing for the Chiefs. He was playing for Seattle at the time. And, of course, Randy Gregory played all of six games in 2022. Frank Clark was deemed expendable by the Kansas City Chiefs, who liked pass rushers as much as anyone. And if you've watched the Chiefs defensively in the first four games this year, you will conclude that they have not exactly missed Frank Clark. And, oh, by the way, the Dallas Cowboys lead the league in pass rush win rate. At over 60.5%, the Broncos at 30.5% are dead last in the NFL. That's how much the Dallas Cowboys last year and certainly so far this year, have missed Randy Gregory. I think the 30,000-foot view on this should properly be that the moves today, Bassey to a much lesser extent, but certainly Gregory, constitute another nail in the proverbial coffin for general manager George Payton, who will be following Bassey and Gregory out the door at some point, I imagine, within the next four months. Now, we don't spend a lot of time on on these shows ranting and raving about how people should be losing their jobs immediately, if not sooner. But we, we report on the basis of common sense that the two moves today without question 
reflect badly on George Payton. It, it is not so much a youth movement. Listen, the, the Broncos can cut all the 30-somethings they want to cut. They're still an older team. Listen, <laughs> cutting Randy Gregory, releasing Randy Gregory today does not make the Broncos a young team per se. They have older players than Randy Gregory on the roster. But the the key point to understand, actually two points, this is not good news for George Payton today, these two moves. They are moves orchestrated by Sean Payton based on the idea that if you are not starting, if you've been beaten out and you're in your 30s, Randy Gregory, you're not going to be around long, especially playing for the worst defensive team in the NFL and arguably going back 40-plus years from the point of view of Football Outsiders' DVOA metric. This is the worst four-game defensive start for any team in the NFL since 1981. When you're starting for a defense that has given up 150 points and 1,846 yards in four games, your job is in danger, to be sure. But more importantly, your position on the roster is in danger, especially if you've been the starter and in at least three of the four games, you've gotten more than 50% of the playing time. I believe even after Sunday, Isang Bassey for the year had played 52% of the snaps basically at nickelback for the Broncos. And Randy Gregory, who had fallen out of favor without question, still played 46% of the snaps on Sunday in Chicago. Yes, Benito played 67% of the snaps. But Gregory was one of half a dozen Broncos to take snaps defensively but fail to play even half the time. Gregory, 46% of the snaps. Garcia, 18%. Henningsen, 17%. They're two young players. The Broncos aren't going to be letting either one of them go. Moreau at 15%. He's a bit player. But Bassey at 10% for someone who'd been playing well over half the snaps in the previous three games. That was something that perhaps we should have picked up on. So these moves aren't surprising. Uh, They certainly aren't objectionable moves. But how much is this going to move the needle for a defense that is last in the league in scoring defense, total defense, that's yards given up, total yards given up, and run defense. Not surprising that the Broncos against the run, and this was true on Sunday in Chicago, right up until that fourth and one stop at the very end of the game when the Bears quite creatively decided to just run the ball up the middle when they had been running off guard, off tackle, outside. All day long, 
with degrees of success, but they started to get cute toward the end of the game, and they decided it would, uh, one, fool the Broncos. Not that the Broncos are that difficult to fool, but it would fool the Broncos if they lined up and then took a timeout. And even if they came out on the field set to go for it, again, the Broncos would be thrown off somehow. I think the Bears would have been better off just running the play the first time through. And putting the ball in the hands of Justin Fields. Option action. Let him read the play, decide to keep the ball or hand it off. Whatever. But news made by the Broncos today. And I guess there are still some people who are going back to last year's November 1st trade of Bradley Chubb and indicating that that was a major turning point. I'm not so sure about that, but there are some numbers associated with the Bronco defense last year before Chubb was traded and the defense since Chubb was traded. And we'll get into that when we continue right here on My Life Sports. Sandy Clef, Sean Rotar. Sean is off today. He'll be returning tomorrow. Stay with us. Playing a new game. Laughing and running. Hey, hey. Skipping and jumping. In the misty morning fog with Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy Clough, Sean Rotar on this Wednesday afternoon in the Mile High City. Sean is off today. He'll be returning tomorrow. Our caller text line. Here on Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM and 107.5 HD3. It's 303-831-1340. You know, they say you can't fire all the players, and that's oftentimes the reason that coaches do not survive the kinds of defensive performances that the Broncos have put out, particularly a defensive coordinator in this case the kinds of performances they put out over the first four games, roughly the first quarter of this 2023 season. But, but, in this case, the two players, Bassey, Waved, and Gregory released today, are gone. Uh, Vance Joseph is still here. Your thoughts on that? Is it an either-or situation? Or if you're talking about major changes, changing out a couple of players enough? Changing out players enough? Or perhaps should the changes have gone deeper than that? 
we were talking about a theory that has been frequently advanced. I'm not sure I bought into it. I don't dismiss it entirely because the numbers certainly indicate that the Bronco defense has been in rather steep decline since the trading last November 1st of Bradley Chubb to the Miami Dolphins. The Broncos got a first-round pick back. You may remember that. The great Danny Bailey, of course, remembers that. You know where their first-round pick went, the one they got from Miami. That went to help pay for Sean Payton. Yeah, it's in New Orleans. Correct. So they never got that pick. So, in essence, Bradley Chubb was traded for Sean Payton with a gap between the trade and the hiring of Payton of several months. We'll give you the numbers. Before the trade last year, in September and October, the Broncos are giving up 16.5 points per game. Not bad. They proceeded to give up 25.2 points per game after the trade in the nine remaining games of the 2023 season. 29 points per game have been yielded by the Broncos in the 13 games they played since the Chubb trade including the first four of this year, if you want to stretch out that nine-game stretch and expand it and roll it over into this season. Not very good, right? 29 points per game over 13 games. That is not a small sample size compared to the stretch before the trade in which they were giving up 16.5 points per game. They've given up this year 37 and a half points per game. Now, my pushback on that would be only this. If you're measuring defensive teams, including the Miami Dolphins, who now employ Bradley Chubb, on the basis of expected points added per dropback, and Chubb should have some influence on that, right? Pass rusher. He reunites with Vic Fangio, who is now the defensive coordinator down in Miami, was the head coach here in Denver in 2019. And when he got the job, Vic Fangio raved about one player far more than any other player on the team at the time. And that one player was Bradley Chubb. It was not Vaughn Miller, it was Bradley Chubb. Well, According to that particular metric, from a defensive point of view, expected points added per dropback by the opposition. Miami Dolphins are 24th in a 32-team league. Now, yeah, the Denver Broncos are dead last. (laughs) I get that. But... Here are the only teams Miami is outperforming defensively on the basis of that metric. The Jets, Washington, the Chargers, Arizona, the Giants, the Raiders, the Bears, and the Broncos. That's it. So if the Broncos still had Bradley Chubb, maybe they wouldn't be last in the league in so many defensive categories 
according to so many metrics. Maybe they wouldn't be last in the league. But they wouldn't be first either. And they wouldn't be 16th either. And they wouldn't be in the top 20 either. They would be in about the same place the Miami Dolphins are right now. Now, Miami Dolphins have something that the Denver Broncos don't have, and that's the best offense in the league. In today's NFL, generally speaking, you can get by with a mediocre defense as long as you have an above-average offense. If you have a top-10 offense, certainly a top-five offense, you can get by. And I'm not going to give you teams ranked 1 through 32. I promise you. I won't (laughs) put you through all that. But I'm looking some of the teams in the top six, okay, the top fifth of the league, basically. Top six out of 32. And you know is number one, the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns don't really have much of an offense. You can't rely on Watson, who, to be fair, was not healthy, did not play in the last game. But Nick Chubb is out, and he is clearly their best offensive player. Clearly their best offensive player. Cleveland's number one. And Cleveland has a terrific defense. And it may allow Cleveland to stay in the race for NFC North supremacy. The NFC North was thought to be an extremely strong division, and it may still be that, but it doesn't look quite as fearsome over the first four weeks as we had expected. Baltimore is 3-1, and one, but no one else has a winning record. Pittsburgh's two and two, Cleveland's two and two, and Cincinnati is one and three. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are sixth in expected points added per drop back defensively. And I believe the Carolina Panthers are 0 4 because they can't score. They were ahead most of the way, were they not, this past weekend? Weren't they playing the Vikings, who were also 0-3? And the final score was 21-13, because for all of its defensive problems, and they are many, the Vikings, by the way, are 18th in this metric defensively. Kirk Cousins is having a very good year, and the Vikings can still score points because they still have weapons on offense. Now, if you're looking at some of the top 10 teams, let you see Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville's 2-2. Two and two. And the big disappointment there has been Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville. New England is 11th. The Patriots are 1-3. and They're terrible. Guess what the Patriots don't have? An offense slash a quarterback. They don't have... Either an offense, because they're not that talented, in fairness to Mac Jones. But Mac Jones 
is more than a guy. More than a guy who had a bad game the other day. So you, you get the idea. You, you can be a top-level defensive team, and you can still struggle. You need to be good on offense. And if you're the Broncos, well, they've been maybe a little bit better than average on offense. They've been great in the first half. Right? With the possible exception of the game the other day in Chicago where they kind of reversed things and had the big third quarter, right? And, first a, drive and even bigger great. fourth quarter. The first drive looked great. And then first drive that, was great, nothing, and they've been yeah. very good. They've been very good on first drive. But, yeah, it's usually been but after that, in the first it, half, and then they fade. Right. But the other day, they scored 17 in the fourth quarter. And they scored in the third quarter in the final 15 seconds. So if you take a look at the final 15 minutes and 15 seconds of the football game, they didn't allow a point, and they scored 24. And I know it's the Bears, but against anybody, that's that's a pretty good performance. But following up, and and I like what Sean Payton had to say after the game, not, and maybe on second thought, not so much what he had to say, but how he said it and the fact that he wasn't jubilant over the fact the Broncos won their first game of the year and the first win for Sean Payton as head coach of the Denver Broncos. He seemed less excited about that then the people, the owner included, Greg Penner, who presented him with the game ball after the game. And he followed up on that over the next two days. He acknowledged that, again, watching the game would not be a pleasant exercise for him. And you figured he was talking more about defense than offense. And, in fact, we saw... One defensive player waived today and another released today. There are a lot of things that have gone wrong with the Broncos this year, and maybe not having Bradley Chubb over the last 13 games they've played has something to do with their defensive decline. But if you watch their coverage in the last... Three games, certainly. Maybe a little less so against the Raiders, although I I guess I was the only one who thought that Devontae Adams had a pretty good day because I think if you take six catches for 66 yards and extrapolate that over 17 games, you've had a pretty good year, right? You've had more than 100 catches. You catch six passes a game. You're going to have more than 100 by the end of the year, assuming you don't get hurt on a per-game basis. Six per game will put you over on. And the math on 66 times 17, I'll let you do for yourself, but it strikes me that that wouldn't be a bad year either. Now, maybe not up to Devontae Adams' standards, but Devontae Adams playing with Jimmy Garoppolo not his good friend Derek Carr anymore. 
the Broncos have been playing the softest coverage of any team in the league. Their zones are soft, softer, and softest. When they're in off coverage, I mean, they're really playing off. They're playing behind the first down sticks in coverage. And I understand the idea is to maybe allow a shorter completion and then come up and hit the receiver as hard as you can hit them within the bounds of legality. They aren't doing that either. They're missing more tackles than almost any other team in the league week after week after week. They are last in net yards per pass attempt at 8.9. That means every pass attempt by opposing quarterbacks this year, Garoppolo, Howe, Tua, and Justin Fields. Now, three of those guys are not even average quarterbacks statistically so far this year in the NFL. One is Tua. And Tua found what a real defense looks like this past Sunday in Buffalo, as opposed to the JV team he played the previous week. 8.9 yards per pass attempt against the Broncos. They are one of only two teams in the NFL that has given up eight yards or more per pass attempt. Now, they lost their nickel corner in Kwan Williams during the preseason, and he has not played. And nickel, as we said earlier, is the base defense for the Denver Broncos. Miami against the nickel. First four rushing attempts on the first drive of the game went for 47 yards And a touchdown. They said, well, that's Miami. And they scored 70 points. So, yeah, they made everything work. Chicago against the nickel. Maybe this is why Isang Banky, uh, Bassey is now an ex-Bronco. Chicago against the nickel had a six-place span in which they had a 29-yard touchdown pass to D.J. Moore on a 24-yard run against the nickel. So, again, even the Bears could do anything they wanted to do against the nickel, at least in the first half, maybe a little bit into the third quarter. But the Bronco pass rush win rate, and both Sean and I were, were kind of amused when people thought that, wow, with Frank Clark combining with Randy Gregory, the Broncos are going to be a juggernaut pass rushing team. 30.5% pass rush win rate. 30.5%. And I know people point out, well, haven't had Browning. Clark's been hurt. Gregory had just the one sack before he was released today. But you know who else was great in the preseason and really hasn't done anything? Allen. Half a sack in four games. Now, they're not going to cut him. And it's kind of interesting with Joseph and Allen that Joseph was Allen's defensive coordinator in Arizona. 
So Alan's defending Joseph, and I suppose Joseph is defending Alan too, and uh, both have kind of sort of failed uh, so far this year. But Alan has half a sack in four games. Now the bright spot, at least at times, he's been a little up and down. The bright spot has been Benito. Two and a half sacks, forced fumble on Sunday. And along with Jonathan Cooper, those two combined, your two starting outside linebackers, edge rushers, had six and a half of the eight Denver sacks through the game on Sunday. Does that say more about Cooper and Benito, or does it say more about the guys who aren't rushing the passer. Gregory is gone. That's one sack gone. So the guys still on the team, correct my math if it's wrong, Danny, that leaves seven sacks in four games, six and a half by Cooper and Benito, half a sack for Allen, and that's it. Everybody else at zero. And I understand they expect to get Simmons back, maybe this week. Baron Browning coming back soon. All these guys who had to sit out four games, they're eligible to come back anytime. That includes Kewan Williams, right? And it includes Frank Clark, who could you know, come back at any time. He injured his hip as the season was beginning. Josie Jewell set to come back soon, next week, maybe two weeks. Nose tackle Mike Purcell didn't play Sunday in Chicago. Come back soon, maybe, so that D.J. Jones doesn't have to play 65% of the snaps. Although I like D.J. Jones on Sunday. I thought he was the best defensive player, in fact, in a game that was not great defensively, even though they came back to win, and the Bears were basically held under control in the second half. And then you got P.J. Locke, who's set to come back. So that's, what, seven guys, um, all defensive players, or set to come back. But Randy Gregory won't be coming back. He's gone. And he's saying Bassing won't be coming back. He is going to. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk more about how somehow this week, because their defense is so bad, do the Jets have a better matchup with their quarterback against Denver's defense as opposed to Denver's defense going against one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, his game on Sunday night against the Chiefs notwithstanding. We'll discuss next as we continue. Sandy Clef, Sean Rotar. Sean is off today. We'll be returning tomorrow. This is Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough, Chandro Tar. Sean is off today. He'll be back with us tomorrow. This is Mile High Sports 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. The musical maestro is Danny Bailey, of course, our terrific executive producer. Here at Mile High Sports. Our caller text line is 303 831 1340. If you want to react to 
anything that has been said so far. We stream on milehighsports.com slash listen, and you can watch milehighsports.com slash watch. And, of course, we come across the free Mile High Sports app. And uh, we welcome your texts and or your phone calls here. Again, the number is the same, 303-831-1340. Now, things change in sports very quickly. We know that. Roughly a month ago, and weeks after Sean Payton had gone to Jarrett Bell of U.S. Today and unleashed on the pages of USA Today over a period of at least two days. <laughs> I mean, Bell had so much from Peyton that he couldn't fit it into one column. It's it, it stretched over two days, and he got a couple of columns out of what Sean Payton had said, most notably Payton's excoriation of last year's coaching staff and most everybody connected at all with the Denver Bronco organization, even if they weren't on the football side of the organization. But his particular target was Nathaniel Hackett, whom he claimed had done one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history. So at that point, we're really looking forward to week five. Not that we weren't already, because it was going to be the Aaron Rodgers Jets coming to town in week five. The Broncos almost certainly would have at least three wins, right? Going into week five, that was what we thought a month ago. We're really looking forward to it. Well, on the opening Monday night of the season, a standalone Monday night game, a rare thing on the opening Monday night game of the season or the opening Monday night of the season. You had Aaron Rodgers go down and out for the year with a torn Achilles. And Zach Wilson coming in to replace him. So it went from being Aaron Rodgers against the world's greatest defense, right, to no Aaron Rodgers against what now appears to be the world's worst defense, not the world's greatest defense anymore. So some of the luster, because both teams are now not three and one, but instead one and three, and the Jets win came on that same night that Rodgers went down against the Buffalo Bills. In the three ensuing games, although he did play better on Sunday night, Zach Wilson has been substantially responsible for the Jets losing those three games. And to his credit the other night, though he in most ways outplayed Patrick Mahomes, his counterpart, Zach Wilson took the blame for the loss, saying his fumble late in the game was the error that cost the Jets a win. But even... Two weeks ago, right, when the defense wasn't exactly setting the world on fire here in Denver, we looked ahead to week five and we thought, wow, 
you know, maybe the Broncos haven't faced the greatest quarterbacks in the league in Garoppolo, Howell, and Justin Fields. But when they get Zach Wilson, whoa, will they take him apart? And I remember in the back of my mind thinking, okay, that would seem to make sense, except for this one inconvenient fact. In week seven of last year, the Jets came in here, and their quarterback was Zach Wilson, and they beat the Broncos 16-9 to because the Jets have a very good defense. Now, their defense has not played especially well so far this year. Although they did a pretty good job on Mahomes the other night. But could we have imagined, sports fans, that in terms of that EPA per drop back metric, the Jets would have a quarterback who ranks higher than the Bronco defense ranks. I dare you to find a single game that Zach Wilson has ever played in the National Football League in which going into the game, it would appear that he is stronger at his position than the defense at their 11 positions would be. I don't think there has been such a game, and it certainly didn't happen last year, because Bradley Chubb was still on the team, so the Broncos were fine defensively. But they still gave up 16 points and lost the football game 16-9. to Now, put the loss on the defense, but if Zach Wilson is better than he was in week seven last year here in Denver, if he is better in week five this year, against the Broncos than he was in week seven last year. Why shouldn't he have the same kind of game that another very lowly ranked quarterback, Justin Fields had against the Broncos on Sunday? Jimmy Garoppolo had his best game of the year against Denver. Sam Howe had a very good game and a losing cause against Philadelphia the other day. But I think Sam Howe and perhaps even Eric Bieniemy would tell you that his best game came against the Broncos because they won the game and they were way, way behind. So the Broncos have blown a big lead and staged a big rally this year. By all rights, they should have lost to Chicago and should have beaten Washington. And when I look at the four games, the Broncos are one and three because they deserve to be one and three. Yes, you can take two of those four games and you can say, well, against Washington, they should have won the game. They had a big lead. They should have held it. What was it, 21 to 3? One point? In their favor. Okay. But if you say that, you also have to, in all fairness, you also have to say that they shouldn't have won the other day. That even the Bears should have been able to protect a 28-7 to lead with 15 seconds left in the third quarter. So they're 1-3 because they deserve to be. They are actually, yes, believe it or not, at a disadvantage against Zach Wilson and the Jets' offense 
That's how bad the Broncos' defense is. And if you're inclined to like the Jets on Sunday to win, that's the main reason. Because their quarterback is better than your defense. Hour number two just ahead, we'll talk about many, if not all, of these subjects with our friend Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette. Next, Sandy Clef, Sean Drotar, Sean off today. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3.